Welcome to the TSO Podcast. I'm Kathleen Kajioka from the New Classical FM. I have been planning to do this piece for a decade, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's been done at the TSO since the last time I saw it there. So that's kind of cool, right? Yeah. I see, it, I see it, it inspires me, and then I get to be the next person. That's mezzo-soprano Wallace Junta. You'll hear more from her later in the show. Our first guest is stage director Joel Ivany. Ivany is the founder and artistic director of Against the Grain Theatre, which presents classical music in innovative ways and in unusual venues. He is also program director for opera at the BAMP Centre for Arts and Creativity. Ivany made his TSO debut in 2016 when he directed a semi-staged version of Mozart's Requiem and returns this week for Kurt Weill's The Seven Deadly Sins. Joel Ivany joins myself and TSO principal bass Jeff Beecher to tell us more about his vision for this production. Joel, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. You know, can you set up the seven deadly sins for us? The seven deadly sins, the deadliest sins that are out there, according to Kurt Weill and Bertolt Brecht. It's um, a great, fascinating piece that was written in the early 30s. Um, it kind of, it's about 45-ish minutes, so it doesn't take up a whole evening, but the way it was kind of written and conceived, it's a full evening of theater. So that's kind of, I think, the challenge of how often and how you program it because it doesn't fill an entire evening. But um, what do you pair it with? What do you, how do you balance that exciting sort of dynamic between what this piece is and sort of talks about in its satirical nature? And what do you say about it with the other half of the programming? I think the TSO did this on the first half of a program, we actually performed it in Carnegie Hall. But the, this experience that we're about to have with you is going to be quite different. Tell us why. It was kind of like the first date that we had with the TSO was sort of Mozart's Requiem, which was a fascinating sort of exploration in terms of uh, taking a piece of work which isn't normally ever staged or interpreted that way. And um, I think we had a lot of fun. It was a very emotional sort of experience for both myself, for Bernard, for the the TSO and the audience, which kind of, it was amazing to see how filled it was. And so I think by building on that was sort of taking a piece which is described as a ballet chanté and sort of saying, well, can you do something similar in terms of taking these theatrical sort of take on it and throwing in some lighting, throwing in some movement, throwing in some integration between the musicians, the singers, the orchestra, and the audience? And what could that look like for a piece that had more of a theatrical element conceived for it? So what's the process of developing something like that? How do you take it from this concept to something that you know everybody's going to see? When you take something like this, normally you don't have a lot of time to do that. Um, We were fortunate to work in discussions with um, the BAMF Center for Arts and Creativity, where last August we had the whole cast. We had Wallace, we had um, our choreographer Jennifer Nichols, we had the four men with a pianist in a rehearsal room with about a week to explore what this piece is, what the movement could be. And that was a luxury which you don't always get to have when you're either working in an orchestral situation or even in a theater situation. The other fascinating, fun part which we're going to play with is we have a filmmaker who's kind of filling in the subplots between the numbers as well. So we have surtitles that you're going to see on the screen, but in between we have these sort of... uh, creative mini-movies that star Wallace and Jennifer, who's playing Anna 1 and Anna 2. 
So, Joel, you're the founder and artistic director of Against the Grain Theatre. Tell us about your productions this season. The first event was Osvaldo Galihav's IRA, which was, um, it fell on the eve of the election in the U.S. So it was, uh, just by coincidence, a highly political concert because it's all about sort of standing up to the powers who are on their towers, pointing down and sort of judging. Then we're currently just finished up the run of Lab OM, which we presented in a bar, the Transact Club. And it was our longest run, uh, eight-show run, which completely sold out. And sprinkled throughout, we started this series called Simply Opera Pub, which was the first Thursday of every month. We offered opera arias, duets, ensembles um, with a beer in hand, with no sort of obligation, no no pay. You just kind of show up and in a very relaxed environment, experience art and opera. And that's what our season was this year. Well, I can speak for all the musicians of the Toronto Symphony that your Mozart Requiem was a fascinating thing to participate in. We're looking forward to doing that again with you, Joel. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was stage director Joel Ivany. See his vision come to life with the Seven Deadly Sins this Wednesday and Thursday. Tickets are available at tso.ca. You're listening to the TSO Podcast. Stay with us. Our next guest is Canadian mezzo-soprano Wallace Junta. Junta is a graduate of special young artist programs at the Met Opera and Juilliard School. She's performed with opera companies across North America and Europe. Highlights include the Metropolitan Opera's production of The Merry Widow and the title role in Rossini's La Cenerentola with Opera North in Leeds. Junta joins the TSO this Wednesday and Thursday for Kurt Weill's The Seven Deadly Sins. She joins me now to talk more about the program. Wallace, welcome. Thank you. Hi. (laughs) So, Seven Deadly Sins, can you tell us a bit about this piece before we get into the specifics of this production? What's the feel of it? Uh, It's really, really grounded in the German aesthetic of the 1930s. And what's interesting is it's actually written about a story that takes place in North America, but it's more symbolic and, you know, the sentiment and the real kind of aesthetic, the style is, is totally Brecht and vile. 1930s German, very cabaret, very satirical. Now, you workshopped this with Joel Ivany in Banff. What was that process like? Well, aside from being one of the most glorious places on earth to spend a week in August, um, we had an amazing time as a team. Um, it wasn't just Joel. It was also um, the four gents that are singing the, the family. It's like a barbershop quartet in the piece. And also our choreographer, Jennifer Nichols. And so we had a nice little kind of creative bubble that we were we were all a part of for about six days. So bring that now to the performance that is about to be presented at Roy Thompson Hall. What can audiences expect? Well, we still have some work to do. It's going to be semi-staged, so they say. And that just means that we don't have a full set and we don't have a lot of props, but the performers are completely staged in terms of our action and our intention. So... It's dramatically fully staged and scenically semi-staged. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And what's your role as the mezzo-soprano in this? Well, I'm really the whole story. It's about a woman named Anna, a young woman, and she's she's going on a journey. Her family sends her on a a seven-year journey to make her fortune and build build her her life in the world. And she has sort of an alter ego, her sister, quote-unquote, but it's really just another side of her personality, and that's played by a dancer, um, Jen, our, our choreographer. Mm-hmm. And then the family are um, a quartet of, of gentlemen, 
and they are kind of in the background and they interject almost like a Greek chorus, but I am the narrator, the protagonist, and the core of the piece. Now this is, I would think, a particularly unique kind of, um, I don't know, genre for oh. you, I mean, as, a, as an opera singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's it like for you singing Brecht and Weill? Well, actually, um, it is a goal of about 10 years of mine to do this piece. Oh, no kidding. Not kidding. In fact, there's a really cool story behind it, I think, which is uh, when I was younger in undergrad, I was working at Roy Thompson Hall in the music store for like four years, pretty much. I was selling CDs, and and one day I went in, and it was um, this famous cabaret singer named Uta Lemper singing this piece. It was roughly 10 years ago, and I just fell in love with the piece, and I thought, this is the best thing I've ever seen, I've ever heard, and it spoke to me so, so powerfully. I thought, man, this is what I want to do. And then um, I was doing something else at the TSO a few years ago, and I was chatting with their artistic team, and they asked me at one point, you know, at a dinner party, like, so, you know, what kind of things would you like to sing, theoretically, if we had you back? And I, I just said, please, can I do this Kurt file? You know, please. And they said, well, you know what? We've got a decades project coming up, and this would be perfect for the 1930s. Wow. So... I have been planning to do this piece for a decade, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's been done at the TSO since the last time I saw it there. So that's kind of cool, right? Yeah. I see, it, <laughs> I see it, it inspires me, and then I get to be the next person 10 years later. In the very same hall where you heard it. Yeah. No that's really great. Well, we're all looking forward to your performance. Thank um, you. I'm wondering what else is coming up for you after this? Um, lots of things. I've, I've got a really random and eclectic plate of, of performances coming up. But right after that, in uh, early July, I'm doing a couple of concerts in Ottawa with Music and Beyond Festival. One recital of Canadian and American art song from the 20th and 21st century, including um, a cycle by Rufus Wainwright, Songs for Lulu, which I performed in Toronto a few years ago as well. Um, and then a couple days later, I'm doing um, the Bach B minor Mass. And after that, mostly I'll be in Germany, a lot of Wagner, some, I'm doing Lulu by Berg, uh, Fledermaus, some operetta, um, and I'll be back in Toronto next for the Bernstein Centenary at Kerner Hall in 2018. Great. Well, busy busy schedule ahead, which is fantastic. Yeah, it's great, but it's super all over the place. Everything yeah. from Bach to, you know, written two years ago. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to tell us about this upcoming project. We're looking forward to it. My pleasure. So am I, believe me. It's been a long time coming. That was mezzo-soprano Wallace Junta. See her center stage with the TSO at the Seven Deadly Sins this week. Tickets are available at tso.ca. That brings us to the end of this week's TSO podcast. Don't forget, let us know what you think of the show. Send an email to community at tso.ca or leave a note on our Facebook or Twitter pages. For more music and stories from the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, join us on Sunday night with the TSO. That's every Sunday at 8 p.m. on the new Classical FM. I'm Kathleen Kajioka. Join us next Monday for another episode of the TSO Podcast. This June, escape into music with the Toronto Symphony Orchestra. Feel the power and passion of Carmina Burana, the soul-shaking choral spectacular you must experience live. Plus, the radiant virtuosa Nicola Benedetti in a soaring performance of Ashimanovsky's Second Violin Concerto. Don't miss Carmina Burana, June 21st to 24th at Roy Thompson Hall. Final tickets are on sale now. Book yours today at tso.ca.